0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of the Bleedless Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by our good friends at FOCO, F-O-C-O dot com, FOCO. For uh, being a loyal listener to this podcast, if you clink, uh, click, excuse me, on the link describing the podcast, it'll take you to FOCO's website, add whatever you want to the cart, and, uh, and that's it. You'll get a discount for being a loyal listener to this here Bleedlos podcast. So huge thanks to Foco. They have a fantastic selection of bobbleheads, Dodgers merchandise, shoes, Hawaiian shirts, sombreros. They got it all. So check it out. Foco.com. Huge thanks to them for uh, for the support. Terms and conditions do apply. Please see their website for further details. Uh, again, Foco and uh, our good friends at Bleedlos. Same exact name as us. Just uh, not a podcast. www.bleedloss.com They have all of the Dodger fandom clothing you can think of. Joe Kelly Fight Club shirt in preparation for that Houston Astro series. You can get it there. Uh, you can get a you, you can get a Walker F and Bueller shirts. You know to support the man. You can get them there. Bleedloss.com For being a loyal listener to this year podcast, if you use the code BleedLossPod, Pod, you will save ten percent on your purchase. Again, terms and conditions to apply. Please see their store for more details. BleedLos.com. Huge thanks to them. And a huge thanks to you guys, the uh, supporters, subscribers, reviewers, listeners, followers of this year podcast. If it wasn't for you guys, honestly, we uh, we wouldn't be where we are right now. So huge thanks to each and every one of you. Uh, please, if you haven't, subscribe, review, uh, follow uh, the, uh, the Twitter account at BleedLosPod. And we're also on Instagram now. Uh, same uh, same handle at Bleed uh, so please give us a follow, shoot us questions, shoot the breeze with us, and we'll gladly engage. But for now, here's another edition of the Bleed Podcast. Hey fans, this is Todd lights public address announcer for your world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. And you are listening to the Bleed Lows Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan with the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. And here we are, Juan. The sky is no longer falling. 7-0, and or rather 7 in a row, I should say. Just swept this the San Francisco Giants. Uh, they couldn't beat L.A. See what I did there?
1: i see you i applaud you uh
0: it's B L A B L A B L A. the the uh the shirts grammar- are
1: available at bleedlose.com
0: yes the grammar police has arrived um seven seven in a row like the sky is no longer falling it looks like things are starting to turn around how are you feeling
1: i'm feeling fantastic not only is it seven in a row it's 11 out of the last 12 I, I, You know what I'm really curious about, Alonzo, is if this is how this season's going to go. They started out 13-2 and and then lost 15 of their next 20. And now they've won 11 out of 12. Um, Do you think it's just going to be an up-and-down year for this team? Or do you think maybe it took those 20 games for them to get adjusted to all the injuries that they went through? And now they're like, we're going to roll with what we got.
0: I think it's a little bit of column A and column B. Um, Obviously the injuries are starting to work themselves out. And unfortunately there is going to be continuations of injuries, but, uh, but all in all, I think they were able to weather the storm as best as they could. And I ultimately think this is just kind of also the offense clicking at the right time, because if you recall, they were in a slump and they were in a really bad offensive slump Uh, because the pitching has remained consistent. And obviously best rotation in base baseball no question it's not even close even with all the injuries uh you know it's still not even close trevor bauer had himself a weekend but it's it's one of those things where where those injuries are obviously that you know they're going to keep rearing their ugly head because as we saw today the sunday game mookie betts was scratched because of his shoulder so it's you know it's kind of a i feel like there's going to be lingering kind of things that that are are going to catch up with everyone, but if everyone can stay kind of at this plateau, if you will, then then I think all in all, I think we should be good. Because I mean, the offense today didn't have any issues with the offense today on Sunday here uh, in San Francisco. So I mean, I I, I felt good about it. I How how I am curious to hear one thing from from you though. Uh, who who to you has stood out the most over the the last you know we'll you know to kind of go back with your stat over the last twelve games.
1: Oh, dude, Jeopardy style. Who is Max Muncie? I mean, Max Muncie, what he's doing, and you know, Max Muncie is one of our, well, at least one of my favorite whipping boys on this show because I was concerned about him. And it's funny because to me, Muncie has kind of mirrored what the Dodgers are this year he has these hot streaks and then he has these cold streaks and now he's in a ridiculous hot streak i mean he's the team leader in home runs he's got 10 home runs but this is the thing that impresses me the most on may 14th about 10 days ago max muncie was hitting 243 max muncie's hitting 292 now that's almost fifty points. That's ridiculous to ra- And I know it's still early in the season, but do you realize how how incredibly hot you need to be to raise your batting average fifty points? I mean, Max Muncy is he's just doing the damage right now. So that that's my vote is is Max Muncy. Now will Muncy you know, come back down to earth? Probably, yes. I mean, and you've you've talked about this many times on the show, Alonzo. Max Muncy is not a guy who's going to hit for average. It seems like consistently you're going to get the power from him. But in terms of the average, that's not who he is. But right now, he is just, he no matter what shift you put on him, he's just, he's seeing the ball really, really well right now.
0: When Max is seeing the ball the way that he is right now, just get out of the way. He, he, you know, that, I mean, that's one of kind of been the knocks on him kind of throughout his career as he's been relatively inconsistent. And, you know, like we've talked about, he's not going to hit for average, but when he lays wood on the ball, it's a wrap that home run that he hit. I think yesterday, I'm sorry, Saturday uh, that, that went into the Cove that's the longest home run I've ever seen hit in that ballpark, at least in the water. And I mean, it, 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 that was a bomb, but I mean, that, that shows you, you know, that he's just locked in right now and all kudos in the world to Max, because, again, he's not known for his average, but he is known just for that compact swing and being able to to get contact. But he had himself a hell of a weekend, too.
1: Yeah. And you know who's another guy that I think deserves a little love, at least offensively? Who's that? It's Will Smith. Will Smith back. You look at his batting average on May 11th. He was hitting 242. He, today he's hitting 279. I mean, that's almost 40 points. Again, these guys are hitting the ball. So to raise your batting average in a span of almost two weeks, 40 to 50 points. That's ridiculous. I mean, you're seeing the ball really well. Now, defensively, I wish we could have Rafael on the show to talk about Will Smith defensively because I don't know. Some of these backhanded balls that he is trying to do. I, look, I get it. And this is when you call me, you know, old man screaming at cloud. I was raised with Mike Sosha behind the plate. Okay. Sosha was awesome at blocking the plate. I don't see that from Will Smith. I feel like some balls get past him. That should be past balls that are called wild pitches, but he could block it. But offensively, I, I, I have to give it up to him. He's he's hitting the ball really well right now.
0: I, I, uh, we could do an entire podcast about catcher position defensively, and I don't want to because I don't want to sound like old man screaming at a cloud. But
1: That's, it, that's my role.
0: <laughs> but it's one of those things where, where it's questionable, right? But at the end of the day, they're, they're still finding a way to offensively get it done. And that's what the struggle was, right? The offense was struggling. The offense was, was at best, was dragging. And what you know, something, something this week, you know, uh, turned, turned, you know, kind of turned the, the, the gears up. And and here we are, you know, we're talking about a a dominating series, you know, sweep for the Dodgers. Like it's not even close. So, uh, but on that note, Roger, what what do you got?
2: I think you guys are missing someone. Who's that? Mr. Deluxe, Gavin Lux. Oh, two grand, two grand oh, oh, yeah, here we he go. All right, <laughs> so Babyface,
1: you you know this, right? Babyface credits Gavin Lux for breaking the slump because Gavin Lux gave that primal scream. So all you have
2: to do to break out of a slump is just show some emotion, right, Babyface?
0: Scream a little bit.
2: Yeah, he, he screamed. He got this team back on track. I mean, and, I mean, he's one of those guys that for what, the first month, month and a half, like oh man Gavin Lux again okay get him out get him he was he came up with this huge promise you know Gavin Lux he was number one prospect not just in the Dodgers like in the entire league and so far he hadn't panned out but over the last you know couple of weeks I mean we're seeing what he can do you know he's um, you know some people were questioning he feels more comfortable because he's at his natural spot at shortstop so it's like okay what's gonna happen when Corey comes back and he goes back to second is he gonna go back you know to, uh, you know, not doing so well, but I mean, you give him some credit. He's finally he looks like he's more at ease. You know, he's, he's getting his swing down and, you know, you know, two grand slams in a week, you know, that's, you know, that's pretty darn good. You know, that's, that's a very good point that you bring
1: up baby face because that is something that I'm very interested in seeing is when he does move that, make that move back to second base if that does affect his play, you know, a couple of episodes when we had, uh, you know, a fellow bleed Los Taquero in Jorge Castillo from the LA Times on the show, he talked about how Lux isn't really that comfortable at second base, especially with throwing, but to speak about how good he's been playing. You go back to May 14th, he was hitting 235. Now he's hitting 262. So this is another guy almost, that has raised his batting average almost 30 points in a span of two weeks. So, But you got to answer this for me, babyface, because this is a question that I've had since the beginning of the season. Why doesn't Gavin Lux get a helmet that fits him? Have you noticed the number of times that his helmet falls off?
2: Maybe he's growing his hair out, and he's because you know a lot of times well, those, the helmet pops off. You know those guys do their their head thing with the hair, so maybe he's kind of getting ready for that. You know, so we might know in a couple months. So do you think? I, I think
1: maybe we just have to put a chin strap on him so he can look like <laughs> Hypo Harry. You know, from the old Saturday Night Live skit. Right? You're the devil.
0: A chin strap. Wow. <laughs> like you took that all the way back to Pee Wee. As a fellow long-haired person, though, assuming he's growing his hair out, how dare you? How dare you? I'm sorry, uh, I, cho- I
1: chose violence today, Alonzo. My you apologies.
0: You woke up choosing violence. Ironically, though, the Dodgers also did too because do you know what their run differential was before Sunday's game?
1: Uh, it was at 60-something, wasn't it?
0: 66. And that's with them in a slump. That's what's insane about it. And the only team that was ahead of them uh, take a while, guess who that was there, uh, uh, Juan?
1: Uh, the Padres of San Diego, the show yes. pods
0: At 68, plus 68. And, and listen, full disclosure, I hate these stupid stats, but they come in handy to give you, you know, I will say they give you an indicator of, of where you're at. So, I mean, I i was, you know, I've said it before, I wasn't necessarily 100% worried. I was just worried because of the injuries. But the uh, this team was just too good to be slumpy. They're just too damn good to be in this position. And you know the Dodgers, even being only what seventy percent healthy, still just went out and just just ran through, you know, twelve games and only lost one. So I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, what else? What else can you even say about that?
1: Well, what I'll tell you is baseball is stupid. It just That's doesn't true. make it doesn't make sense because while the Dodgers were slumping, who was the guy who was carrying them during that time? It was Justin Turner. Now Justin Turner is slumping. Justin Turner, you go back to May 12th was hitting 307. Justin Turner's hitting 267 now. So, you know, and Justin Turner was a notorious slow starter. So for him to have the hot start that he had this year was impressive. Usually come June is when Justin Turner starts turning it around. But I think this is why it's so important to have the stack team that the Dodgers had that when a guy like a leader like Justin Turner is scuffling. You have guys like Gavin Lux, Muncie, Will Smith that are picking this guy up and, you know, delivering for the team. Uh, one guy that we haven't brought up and he's been very consistent the whole year, but this is a question that I have for both of you guys. And I know this is very early. This is a hot take, but I'm starting to think it is more important to resign Chris Taylor than to re-sign Corey Seager.
0: Cannot deny that at all.
1: There, I said it. I mean, this guy plays everywhere, and he's hitting. And I used to refer to him in years past as the human strikeout. He has cut down on his strikeouts. I've just been very impressed with what Chris Taylor has been asked to do by the team this year, And, and he's delivering it. And I just can't imagine where this team would be without Chris Taylor.
0: I've said this about Chris Taylor and I will say it again Because it's also the same theme for Who Diaz. ods Chris Taylor if he played anywhere else would be an everyday Starter period end of story Anywhere else but Since he plays for the Dodgers He's a he's a bench hand you know he's a He's a he's a piece to the puzzle Because I mean anywhere else that dude would be Would be easily starting same with ods ODS would be an ace on any other staff If we saw today my man would be A one-two guy period so I agree with you hundred percent. Can't, can't disagree with you in any way. Chris Taylor must be protected at all costs from everything. COVID car accidents, everything.
1: And shout out to Zach Lee, wherever you are. Hope you're listening to the show.
0: Because let's not forget who was traded for Chris Taylor.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, dude, Chris Taylor's contributions to this team coming off of the bench and filling in, in these positions where guys have been hurt. It, it nothing else can be said. I mean, he's just, he, he's one of those, he's a baseball player. There's just no other way to put it, puts his head down and whatever they ask him to do, he does it. I bet you if they asked him to pitch, he would pitch. I mean, that's just how much of a team guy he is. And I mean, even this year he's hitting 279 with six bombs and in uh, 21 RBIs, that's a bench player. So, so again, you know, that, that for the most part, that's your second baseman, maybe your left fielder, you know, kind of guy. But I mean, this dude—that's what he's doing coming off of the bench. And in, in how many games is he at right now? Uh, well, he's got 140 at bats, so that's what—that's like—that's half of these games at minimum. So, so I mean, it's one of these things where it's like, hey, you know, re-sign him. And he was a fifth-round overall pick by the Seattle Mariners in 2012. Thank you, Zach Lee.
1: <laughs>
2: exactly. He—he's and- he's, going to be one of those guys, though. Again, though, though that so many teams are going to probably just throw money at him and have him come and play as an everyday player. And again, the Dodgers are going to offer again, that, okay, this is what we offer the limited role. Okay. You play all these positions, but you know, there's going to be a team that's going to be like, Hey, Chris, here's what we got every day center fielder, or whatever, every day second baseman. So I don't know, is that going to be something the Dodgers are going to be able to compete with?
1: Yeah, because he plays every day for the Dodgers right now. He just, and- play, he just plays in a different position every day. And I mean, I get it, you know, and Alonso could probably speak to this uh, more than I would, but I would think there is probably some comfort in playing the same position every day. But there is a part of me that I would love to ask Chris Taylor, putting it out there into the world, Chris Taylor, come on the Believe Loves podcast so yes. I can ask you this. And that is. Is it exciting that he is playing at a different position every day? We saw him at third base earlier in the week. We know he can play short. He can play second. He can play every spot in the outfield. I wonder if that as a baseball player just keeps you hungry because you are at a, at, at a different position all the time. Uh, but I think you throw whatever money you can throw at Chris Taylor because he's still going to be cheaper than Corey Seager. And I just think that Taylor is, regardless at what position he's at, I think Taylor is better defensively than Corey Sieg.
0: I 100% agree with that, actually. that he, he I would say defensively, him and Gavin Lux are probably the two best gloves at that position, shortstop. Um, and the other thing about Chris Taylor, he may not be the fastest guy. He may not even be the biggest guy. But the thing is, is that dude, wherever you put him, he's good. He's just good. And and I think that's what you know. Obviously, what keeps him going is that he they're finding a way to stick him in the lineup to get him to play every day. And I, obviously, as a major league player, you know you, you want to play every day, and and that's the goal, right? I don't think he's complaining about his playing time because I mean he's played 42 games. I just had to look it up, and I mean that's basically every day. So I, I misspoke when I said he's you know played about half because I mean that's almost every single day. So it's one of those things where I don't think he's going to necessarily complain. Cause I mean, here's the other thing about Chris Taylor when they play in an American league city, which they're heading to one, he can DH, you know, it, if they don't have a spot for him in the field, because they're happy with their defense, that dude can still DH. So it's just one of those things where it's that embarrassment of riches, you know, cause he's played second base, third base, shortstop, left field, right field. Center field and he's DH this year. Those are all the spots that he's that he's played. So basically he has played everywhere except pitched and catched in first base. So, you know, I, I don't think he's complaining necessarily. You know, I, I think more than anything, he just wants they just want to get him in there wherever they can. And that's going to be interesting to see going into next year. Cause as you said, you know, you have that Corey Seeker stigma. And Jorge Castillo said it that he thinks that Gavin Lux is going to be the 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 fit to to replace. Uh, Corey Seager so does that mean that Chris Taylor automatically goes to second maybe you know I mean that that would make the most logical sense for me uh, because obviously he's a really good center fielder too but are you going to pull him for Cody Bellinger no so it, I, I I think whatever it costs just give him that money because as we Chris- saw in this offseason they give Kike and they gave Jock one-year deals and they weren't even for crazy money
2: and Chris, tra- Chris Taylor has One of the, uh, I guess, highest approvals coming from uh, Clayton Kershaw, he said, uh, when he he shows his son, Charlie, you know, players, he wants him to be like Chris Taylor is one of the guys that he wants Charlie to grow up to be like.
0: And that's a
1: solid example. And and you know what, babyface? I don't want to downplay what you said because you're right. If someone throws a ridiculous amount of money, it's going to be really hard for him to say no. Because I don't think he's made that much money uh, so far in his career. So, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to overpay. But I, I think the Dodgers can make it very appealing to him, you know, if they can somewhat be close to matching those numbers with the fact that you're going to be competing for a championship every year here, like. If someone throws like uh, this is a random number off the top of my head, I don't even know if this works, but if someone throws $50 million at him, which is probably going to be a lot of money for him, but it's the Baltimore Orioles that are throwing it. Do you take it? I mean, look at the places that Geek Game and Jock went. They went to teams that were like, I still think it was a mistake that Jock didn't take the White Sox deal. Uh, I think he would have been better off because that team is better than, than, than the Cubs. But Kike went to the Red Sox, and the Red Sox are competing. So they both went to places where they could still have a chance to at least get into the playoffs and a chance to win. I, I, I mean, this is way too early. It's May. For all we know, you know, the wheels could fall off the wagon, and Chris Taylor could just start not playing well for the rest of the season. But just right now, everything that he has accomplished from the beginning of the season till now, I think the Dodgers would be hurting a lot worse than they already are if they didn't have somebody like Chris Taylor.
0: Well, and he's only 30. He's going into year 31 next year. And uh, in the eight seasons that he's been a professional ball player, five of them have been in the show and he's made $15 million. We have to remember that everyone had to take a pay cut last year. Uh, So. So, I mean, he's making 7.8 this year. I suspect if you give him, you know, eight and a half to nine, maybe even 10 million a year, he'll stay. It's very doable for the Dodgers because they have a lot of money coming off of their books next year. The other thing is, is the Dodgers also value dudes that can play multiple positions, you know, heavily. I mean, how many positions did we just name? We named all of them except first base catcher and pitcher. Right. So, he can play all of them, so it's going to be one of those investments that's well worth it, but most importantly, the offensive production that you get out of that guy, you're not going to find that on the market. Even if you were to go out and, and get a, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, just for, for argument's sake, we'll say, like a Marwin Gonzalez or anyone like that, you're not going to get that same level of production, because as you saw with Edwin Rios, who can play multiple positions, granted he had an injury, but he didn't live up to the hype like he did last year, right? So there's always a, a risk as far as that goes, but I I would be I would be shocked if I'm honest though if they let Chris Taylor walk I would be absolutely shocked Corey Seager to hold his point uh, Jorge Castillo from the LA Times I agree with him that I don't think they're going to re-sign him but it doesn't make it makes sense to let Corey walk it doesn't make a lot of sense to let Chris walk
1: no I, I agree with you and I don't you know before we start getting labeled as Corey Seager bashers and now Corey is never going to come join the carne asada, here with us, but I will say this. I, I don't know if I can prove this. I don't know if the numbers support what I'm about to say, but does it seem that the Dodgers are playing better defense with Lux at shortstop, or is that just something, a, a figment of my imagination?
0: I think it's a figment. Um, I think defensively they were there uh, were regardless of Corey being in, in on in the you know, lineup or not uh i mean the dodgers are just i mean they're top to bottom on paper they're they're far far and, and above beyond any other team that you can think of they're definitely the, one of the more complete teams right so no matter what the defense was going to be there i mean that's one of their other bigger metrics i, I just think what it comes down to is is cory and jorge castillo said it also to give him more credit Corey Seeger is a good is a good baseball he's a great baseball player he's elite, right? But his defense, as, as you have pointed out in the past one, is shaky. You know, he, he can get those routine ball, you know, routine plays, you know, get that going. But but as we talked uh, with with Jorge, when, when you talk about Fernando Tatis's range, that's something that Corey doesn't have. You know, those are the, the balls that he wishes he could get that Lux probably can get, you know, with more reps at that position. But granted, playing shortstop in the major leagues, that's next level. You know, you, we can sit here and compare – to how Gavin might have done it, you know, in three A or two A, but when you're talking, you know, in the show, that's that's a whole other, you know, we, we have to give that more than what is it, six games, seven games that he's played in that position, and, and even in that, I believe Chris Taylor got two of them. So, so it, you know that the, the verdict is still out on that. I guess is is the that's the long answer for that.
1: Yeah, and you know, speaking of you know our ble- our fellow Bleedlos Taquero Jorge Castillo, he's going to be joining us live from San Francisco, to uh uh give us a brief update on the on the end of the series, right?
0: Yes, and uh, and before we dive into that, so uh, Albert Pujols signed last week. We did not do a podcast because I was traveling. So that's why we're actually going to talk with uh, with Albert, or I'm sorry, with Albert, with Jorge. That'd be cool if we could talk to Albert. But uh, we're, we're talking with Jorge Castillo of the Los Angeles Times. Uh, he's going to give us a little bit of a rundown of uh, uh, of how that deal came to be, and also the acquisition of Yoshi. Oh, damn it. I already forgot how to say his don't, last name. Don't
1: time. even say it. Don't even try it. I'm not even, but Yoshi. It's just Yoshi. Yeah. He is just Yoshi. He's like Madonna. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like one one name one name only
1: yeah Madonna or Cher so
0: <laughs> well he's going to talk to us about how that deal kind of came about and uh and and without further ado here's our uh, good friend of the show Jorge Castillo of the Los Angeles Times uh wanted to have you on because you broke the uh, the story about Ad- Albert Pujols joining the uh the Dodgers and uh, I wanted to see if uh you can give us a uh, little bit of detail of how that deal came to fruition so quickly
3: yeah, I think it was, um, I think when that happened, when, when Paul got yeah, dfa um, and surprisingly got
0: released by the Angels, I don't think they thought necessarily, necessarily
3: thinking they would sign him. I think it was more just what happened over the course of the following week, which just how poorly the guys were replacing other people, um, uh, you know, the kind of like the guys that they didn't expect necessarily to, to depend on, um. Uh, playing too well. So I think they, they, they just figured out they, they needed some help, some depth, uh, a guy on the bench, a guy who can hit some left-handed pitching, which the Dodgers also had trouble doing this season. And over the course of that week, um, they kind of convinced themselves that the could be a guy. So from what I heard, they reached out that Thursday. Um, Friday, they had a sort of a deal already in place and Saturday, uh, he was Saturday morning, he was at the Thunder Stadium for his COVID test. And uh, yeah, broke that then, and
1: Monday he was a Dodger. Yeah, on, so this was uh, – this is Juan. Uh, this was a move then out of desperation by the Dodgers?
3: Uh, desperation? Uh, yeah. I think it, I mean, desperation might be – that's one way to frame it. I think it was a matter of, you know, if the Dodgers were, were 100% right now, if they had Cody Bellinger and Zachary and, you know, they were dealing with so many injuries. I don't think I would fool some Dodgers. Uh, you you got to remember when this happened, it's been over a week now, and it's just kind of been, you know, they basically agreed to the deal. Um, they weren't playing too well. At least, you know, they had a couple wins in their belt, but, you know, they had just about 15 or 20. Things weren't looking too great. So, yeah, I, I think it was a team that was looking for a little boost. I mean, they also, you know, they traded for Yoshi to subo that, you know, around that same time for some depth. Uh, they were signing, you know, they signed Nate Jones to a minor league deal. They playing Phil Bigford off waivers. They were trying to, like, bolster their team, their depth, Not necessarily, at you know, the top end, because they have guys on the, the top end that are on the end just go so come back and help them out, but just more depth pieces. And I think, you know, pulling some the depth kids, And, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's no way that Dodgers sign out or cool if, if they were all healthy and playing super well. So, uh, yeah, I guess desperation could be one way of framing it.
1: Well, just to follow up, I mean, the last time we had you on the show, you said that the Dodgers, maybe around the trade deadline, would be looking for a right handed bat. Mm-hmm. Do you think once everybody is healthy, there's still a spot for Pulhost and he is that right handed bat? Or are we looking at Pulhost unceremoniously unserious, getting cut again?
3: Um, I think it all depends on how well he plays. Um, you know, because he's a guy that's already kind of commanded some respect from guys. Obviously, right? He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's been in the game since his 21st season. I keep thinking about 21 years. It's just a long time, right? Um, you know, Will Smith idolizes the guy. It seems like guys around the team just really like being around him so far. You know, Dave Roberts today, Sunday said that uh, he's already kind of – guys around him are already on their best behavior. They're trying to impress him, all that kind of stuff. You know, he's like – he's the best hitter of his generation, or one of them. So, I think it's tough to just like kind a guy like that. Um, but I do think he has to be performing well or doing at least his job well um, to stick around. So, you, you know, as you mentioned, guys will be coming back. Cody Bellinger, after Kinstry. There are only so many spots on the roster. Um, you know, also got Yoshi Tsutsugo, so it's tough to say. I,
1: I think it really just depends on how well he's playing. Do you know what were the other teams that had interest in Pujols?
3: No, I, I don't know if, you know, exact teams. Um, I do know that there were other teams who were interested. Um, I I, I do think that the fact that he didn't have to move (laughs) played a role in his decision, you know, just obviously being in Anaheim and already being in the area in Southern California helped out, you know, having to move mid-season. It's not just the guy who's moving. It's the family, you know, if not moving with him, then having to be with, you know, without him for, you know, a long stretch of time, right? Like any other. Um, you know, human being with a job or has to move for a job. So um I think that
0: played, played a role. And I think just the Dodgers
3: where they are right now. They're a team that just win the World Series. And I'm sure Albert Pujols isn't my winning. So I think those overall factors.
0: And Jorge Castillo from uh, the Los Angeles Times uh joining us here for a few minutes. Uh real quick, uh, uh obviously Albert had himself a, a a you know a pretty good I would say Dodgers debut this week. So did Yoshi. Uh, what can you tell us about the Yoshi deal and kind of how that came about, if you know anything? I think it's
3: just – I don't know the details of that. I think the Dodgers, as I mentioned earlier, just kind of like they were digging around, around, seeing what was available. And Tatsuko had been designated for assignment, assignment, um, um, which means the Rays had 10 days to basically just get clear waivers they could trade him or whatever. So he was on the market. The Dodgers were interested in him when he came from Japan um, before last season. There was some interest there, but Tsutsugo wanted more playing time, so he ended up playing, um, signing with the Rays, from what I understand. And so there was interest in, 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 in Tsutsugo last year. And when a guy like that's available, a guy who was a superstar in Japan. Now, you know, obviously, um, the, the league in Japan is in the major leagues. Um, guys that come over here struggled as hitters. But we've also seen some success stories. You know, we're seeing Shohei Hatani, what he's doing right now with the bat, and, you know, over the years and the Suvis and each all over of the world. But this is a guy who's a star in Japan. And for whatever reason, with the Tampa Bay Rays, he struggled. And he struggled the most against velocity. And the Dodgers think that they basically can fix him. Um, and by fixing him, it's basically just getting him to – Get back to, to to the swing, the mechanics that he had in Tampa. I mean, in, in Japan, not in Tampa. Basically, what happened was Tampa tried to change his swing. Uh, they tried to get, they to take away his leg kick, which he had in Japan, so he could be better against velocity. And that actually hurt hurt him. They made it worse against velocity, from what I understand. So they're trying to get him back into his leg kick, get his mechanics right, and they think that he can be a good, you know, a good bench piece, a guy who, you know, he's basically gonna replace Evan no. Rios, playing first base, third base, left field.
1: So do you think uh, he, once everybody starts coming back, I mean, you reported that we may see uh, Cody Bellinger and McKinstry uh, by next weekend. When we start getting more healthy bodies, you still see him staying on the roster for the Dodgers?
3: Yeah, that's that's not a I mean, let's do the math right now in our heads. We're, right now, they're bench pieces, right? They need a catcher. So Austin Barnes slash Will Smith. Uh, you got Matt Beatty. You got you know, with Seager at shortstop, walks at second? All at can left. You got Chris Taylor here, right? He's a bench player. So that's three. And then you got Zach McKinstry. That's four. So it's Zubo or Pujols if you go with a five-man bench, right? So it's going to be one of those two guys. Unless McKinstry's the odd man out. So I don't know. It really, you know, talking to Dave Roberts this week, he was really excited about the Suzugo, uh deal. He made it seem like this is a guy that they they can kind of fix and having be a big contributor this year. Uh, but again, you know, it's tough. You know, injuries happen. We're kind of assuming a lot of things right now. You know, guys getting back to full strength. Uh, you know, no more injuries happen on top of that. So, but I think when, when, you know, when these guys are full strength on paper, you know, it's, it's going to be either Pujols so with Tsubo or McKinstry. And I just can't tell. I really don't know who, who, who would be the God man out
1: Okay, well, last one from me, Jorge. Speaking about these injury fronts, what's going on with Mookie? Is this a serious thing that's going on with him, or is this just a uh, one of those just lingering little knick-knack injuries?
3: Yeah, I don't think it's serious. I think the problem is that he has, like, a few of these knick-knack sort of lingering things that are kind of hampering him this season, injuring him a bit. Um, he hasn't been himself. You know, Dave Roberts at the game today, Sunday, was asked, You know, with the the shoulder, he said it flared up this morning, and he's been dealing with it for about a week, right? So he's been playing through it. Sorry about that. It's loud here in San Francisco. He's been playing through it. It's it's not that he can't play. It's just the problem is that he hasn't been able to be himself consistently this year. Because if you remember, early in April, uh, he had a back injury in his four games. So he's kind of been banged up all season. And I think that back injury kind of impacted him a lot more than than he let on. And I think he's dealing, He's also not dealing with his shoulder too. So I don't think it's a serious injury in a vacuum. The problem is he has a couple of different things bothering him. And it's, you know, different things have been bothering him all season. And we haven't seen the Mookie best that we saw last year. You know, when he finished second in you know, MVP voting and did what he did in October.
1: Now, D- Dave Roberts also hinted that the Jimmy Nelson uh, injury, he doesn't think he'll be out for long. Do we have any updates on Scott Alexander?
3: Yeah, so Scott Alexander, last I heard, was just was playing catch about a week ago. I asked about Dave Roberts about uh, that uh, uh, too recently. The um, Jimmy Nelson thing, yeah, like it, he said it's short. He said it'll be a short stint after you know after the game on Sunday. Uh, the problem is with Jimmy Nelson is, He's had back, shoulder, and elbow surgeries in the last, like, three, four years. So it's it's tough to, you know, you, you can say whatever you want about it being a short stint, but you never know with, with the guy with that injury history. So, you know, Jimmy Nelson's been really good this year. Um, you know, I think it's 16 outings with a two-something ERA. And another guy, actually, who might be closer to, to return than maybe even Alexander is Bruce Doug Ratterall, who uh, threw a bullpen session here Friday in San Francisco. He was, you know, going Tuesday in Houston. And then after that, he'll probably go on a rehab assignment. So I think maybe by the end of the month, we'll see Bruce
0: we Ibrano back with the Dodgers. And Jorge, last question for you. Uh, as you said, you're in San Francisco. Are you going to be in Houston? And if so, uh, even if you're not going to be there, as you know, the Dodgers are traveling there, what do you think this series is going to be like, especially with fans there? Yeah, I'll
3: be there. Um, I, I was actually there last year, too, uh, when they were there in Houston. Uh, the only... Really, the only LA media member there last year was myself. Um, and I'll be there this year. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm just curious. Point. I'm curious on two fronts. Obviously, the teams themselves, the game itself, you know, how that's going to be. But also just like a full capacity, minimum park, a full capacity baseball, you know, ballpark period. I haven't been in one since 2019. So, you know, having fans in the ballpark as it is, I like, 50% or 33% capacity has been kind of, like, straight, like, a, it's been weird. It's been, it's been great, but it's also been weird. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, just seeing how it, that, that's going to be. Um, as for the game itself the teams, man, it's playing Kershaw's pitching Tuesday and Trevor Bauer's pitching Wednesday. So <laughs> those guys have their own, like, histories with the Astros. Um, you know, Kershaw obviously has been outspoken about what they did, uh, and, and, you know, and cheating. Uh, the Dodgers feeling that they were cheated of a World Series. And, you know, playing Kershaw was right in the middle of that game five. Uh, what happened in Houston, you know, he, he thinks the Dodgers think they were cheating. And playing Kershaw, that's, he's talked about it a lot. He, he'll never forgive the, the Astros for what they did. Uh, and then you got Trevor Bauer on Wednesday, who wasn't on that team, but has spent a lot of time talking trash about the, the Astros and how he thinks they've you know, use foreign substances with their pitchers. You know, he's been, you know, he's gone at it with Alex Bregman on on Twitter. Um, he's had he has his own history with the Astros, so I think it's going to be a super high. There's going to be a lot of tension. There's going to be a lot of energy. I mean, we saw it last year with Joe Kelly. He wasn't even on that on that 17 Dodgers team. You know, throwing at Correa and Bregman and defenses clearing. And I expect more of that, man. Like, especially with the fans. Last year, that place was empty. And I can feel the tension from the press box. I can't imagine this year what, what it's going to be like with a full stadium, a full, a full ballpark. I mean, it's going to be crazy. I think it's going to get – yeah, I think it's going to be pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it just because, like you said, it, it, there's a lot of history there without there being history necessarily, which is, is the, you know, the, that's, that's what we all like, right? We like the, uh, the quote-unquote drama, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm just jealous that you get to be there in person.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, uh, this year we've already seen it, right? The Padres, right? We saw the Tati stuff. We saw it with Bauer, and, you know, we, we we saw that sort of rivalry and budding rivalry. And we saw this weekend, uh, Friday, Bauer and the Giants fans, kind of the tension all weekend. You know, it was like a high energy series between the Giants, you know, two old rivals. And now the Dodgers are going straight into another sort of tense, you know, high drama situation series against, against the Astros. It's been a lot of. I think it just shows you how good the Dodgers are, first of all. It's like, you know, they have these kind of robberies and kind of like 10 series sort of, sort of early on in the year. But it's just really – I mean, it's fun. It's The storylines are there. Um, I think it's going to be – I don't know. I think it's going to be super emotional. I think it's going to be super interesting to see what happens in Houston. And I think you can't, you can't overstate how important it is and how different it's going to be with a full stadium. The Dodgers have not played in a full stadium yet. Um, and – and the fact that they're playing their first first game with a full stadium since the 2019 NLDS against the, the Astros in Houston is like, it's pretty, like you, you can't really write it any better better than that.
0: No, well said, well said. Well, Jorge, we really appreciate the time. Uh, travel safe, and uh, and we will catch up, Dan, with you.
1: Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Jorge, I'm going to Check out mofongos. i I'm gonna get arroz con frijoles, right? That's what I'm. Uh, that's no, my order.
3: No, well, no, no. Arroz con gandules. <laughs> all right.
1: The
3: gandules, the gandules. Yeah, all the gandules, right. and then uh, you have to get mofongo, too. Sorry, man. All right. You, 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 you have to get the mofongo, too. You gotta get the maduros. You gotta get uh, yeah, you gotta get a bunch of stuff. Just go up and down the menu, and try to get as much as you can. Just all
1: right, I'll, I'll get everything, and I'll I'll tag you on Twitter for the recommendation. All right. Yeah, all right man. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, Jorge. Me. No problem, guys. Hey, this
0: is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers, and you are listening to the Bleed Los podcast. Big thanks to uh, Jorge Castillo of the Los Angeles Times for joining us. The, interesting to hear him say, uh, you know, kind of how, how the Albert deal came about. You know, no one really knows who those other teams are, uh, but I'm kind of curious to hear your take. Do you think that Albert Pujols remains a Dodger through the entire season?
1: You know, I think it's, you know, it's tough to say. Um, I think what Jorge said is very true. It's all going to depend on his performance. If, if Pulhos goes one for four, every game, I'll take that because Castillo is right. Once we start getting all these healthy players back, Pujols isn't going to be playing every day. Pulhos is playing every day right now out of necessity because of the injuries. But once Bellinger comes back and McKinstry comes back, you're going to have to move Muncie back, you know, over to first. Or when Seeger comes back, you're going to have to move Muncie over to first because you're going to move Lux over to second. I do see Pujols staying uh, for the rest of the year because and, – and we've talked about this off air. The Dodgers have always seemed to have that veteran, that one veteran that has helped to groom the younger guys – Uh, You go back to Chase Utley. You go back to David Freeze. You you had that one, and I could see Pujols playing the role of David Freeze. If I forget what year it was, but David Freeze was really, really a very dependable hitter, and actually starting a few games in the playoffs. So I hope that Pujols, you know, keeps it up. I'm not expecting much. Like I said, if Pujols can hit 250 for the rest of the season. He's a better right-handed option and it didn't cost you anything because now if you have to go trade to get another right-handed bet, those are pieces that you're going to give up. Those are pieces that you could probably use to get a bullpen, you know, to get a pitcher out of the bullpen. So I hope it works out. Uh, I have to admit, I was very shocked. I did not see that coming at all. I did not see the Dodgers getting pull host because I just thought, well, where's he going to play? But this is a very, you know, you know, reminder of right of like when you make plans, everyone starts laughing because injuries have plagued this team all season. And the, I mean, the Dodgers are undefeated with Pujols. So because the Dodgers are not going to lose a game for the remainder of the season because of Pujols, I think hosts is going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Dodger. Right, Babyface? <laughs> you called it. I can't yeah. take credit for. I can't take credit <laughs> for that first game that he played as a Dodger.
2: Babyface called it. He is going into the Hall of Fame as a Dodger. I mean, he has RBIs now and he has a home run. So, great career in Dodger blue.
0: I just want yeah. to know how how uh, how drunk you guys were when you when you text that. Uh, I, I'm genuinely.
2: Look, Babyface
1: doesn't drink. Okay, right. so yeah. that's, that's why that... I was
0: curious if he just picked up the habit.
1: When babyface sweats, truth comes out, okay? right, And he called it. There are no lies detected with any of his statements.
2: And I I think he stays the entire year because you got two guys on the roster right now that once Bellinger and and McKintree come back, they're gone. I think, I mean, you know, Peter is going back and I would think Noisy is going to go down. So there's two spots right there. And Pujols, I think, will still remain.
0: Listen, La Machina, the machine, is a first ballot hall of fame or no battle. doesn't matter if he would have retired in Anaheim or not that he he's going into, the, I mean, if you look up the first 12 years of his career, Jesus, like there, there, there's, we will never see that again. And I, I'm, I, I'm, I know that's kind of a bold statement, but I don't think we're ever going to see that sort of a, a first 12 years of anyone's career ever
1: again. No lies detected Alonso. you're, I mean, if you look at it, you and everyone who listens to the show knows how high we are on Trout. He has better numbers. Yeah. Those first 12 years that Pool host played were better numbers than Trout.
0: And and we'll never see that again. But but because of that, those first 12 years and, and the career that that Albert has, and he's a you know, he's a living legend, right? Walking into that clubhouse of superstars, all of them respect the hell out of him. And that's what that clubhouse needed. And what I mean by that is, you know, you you alluded to David Freeze, you alluded to Chase Utley, both of those guys in their own right are walking, living postseason legends themselves, and so you know to command that level of respect from the younger guys because let's not forget this clubhouse is pretty young, you know, you know Kershaw, Turner, Trevor Bauer, you know from there it's like Mookie Betts and Blake Trinan, those are your old your your veterans, right? Kenley Jansen, um, so. So it's one of those things where you know, obviously, all those guys in their own right, you know, Kershaw, Kenley, all those guys, they they've done their own magnificent things. The only guy that can maybe you can say is on par with Albert is Clayton. I mean, Albert is, is you know he's he's one of the nicest dudes in the game. He's a real he's a real one, and that clubhouse needs that. You know, they need that that veteran, uh, that that veteran presence, especially come postseason time. You know, to to get him through the thing and, and I think he's gonna last You know, even like you said I think he'll be one of those dudes That goes one for four You know, you know, two for four But they're gonna be significant hits And as we saw in his in his Dodgers debut As an RBI So I, I, I am expecting him to be here For the long haul The Yoshi move is intriguing to me and, and as Jorge said The Dodgers were interested in him When he was a free agent He's a superstar in Japan Obviously we know the history Between the Dodgers and Japan you know, they've had Hideo Nomo, they've had Yu Darvish, they've had Kentamaeda. Maeda, you know, so it, so they, it's a long, you know, long intertwined history. I, I, I find it interesting because uh, I, I, a front office uh, contact that I talked with when they made that deal, uh, I asked them, who's going to hit more home runs, Yoshi or Albert? And straight up said, yo, the Dodgers are going to fix Yoshi and he's going to hit more bombs than Albert. And that's that's what they want, right? That's what they need. They need that left handed bat that they can kind of throw into the lineup when they can. Obviously, right now, because of attrition, they have no choice but to use them. But man, that's been a hell of an addition so far, too.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you guys heard what Kershaw said earlier in the week, right? Uh, no. The thing is, with Pujols and with Yoshi, Kershaw had said it's nice to have new faces, Come into so I I wonder if you know adding those kind of guys there if it is kind of shaking up that clubhouse and I you know I've heard this from many people and we've talked about this on the air pool host looks different so maybe pool host's on field contributions may not be as drastic as maybe what pool host is doing you know I, it, what he's showing in the dugout what he's showing in the clubhouse to me pool host looks like a guy that has been given a second chance and he's really appreciating that and seeing that come out i I mean uh, many you you listen to joe davis in every game talk about how you know pool host was will smith's favorite player what does that do for will smith to be able to play alongside your favorite player your idol you know does it change things to our I I know babyface you talked about this earlier in the season especially that stretch where they lost the 15 out of 20 games was it complacency was it a world series hangover what was happening to the team maybe getting these guys to come in has changed something for this team and it has lit a fire underneath their asses
0: I, I mean I would agree with that you know they 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 definitely needed something right and they got it going and and they got it moving in the right direction. Cause you, everything, whatever they were doing, like you said, you know, someone for sure needed to either sacrifice the chicken or stop stealing whiskey. I mean, that's that's what it boiled down to. And
1: you know, I mean, again. No, it was just Gavin Lux needed to scream. That that's, that, that's it. That's that's it, right, babyface? It was the it was the scream.
2: It was a scream heard around the world on well, an MLB at least. <laughs> Well,
0: and, and I will say this the Albert move. We, we didn't get a chance to dive into this with Jorge just because he had a run, of course. But I, I'm I, that move 100% cut me off guard. 100%. It, it's, it, you know, it makes sense for Albert because his family is, is still there. You know, he wants to be close to the family. But realistically, you know, he kind of had a, a, a picking of, you know, I would assume, you know, four teams, maybe five that were in that general area that he could fly into, in and out of. And the Dodgers, you know, definitely were not on my radar as as far as that goes, for them to to pick him. And same with Yoshi, the Yoshi move. Obviously, they DFA'd him, so it doesn't cost them. It's kind of a low risk, high reward move on both ends. Um, but I mean, Yoshi in his own right, he he's no he's no no schmuck either. You know, he's the, the Dodgers were interested in him. He ends up signing with Tampa. And I mean, before he came over, he he had I think two hundred and five, two hundred and six, something like that, home runs. In uh in the Japanese league, and I think he was like a career like 280 hit or something like that. So it wasn't like it, it wasn't like, oh, we're just gonna pick this guy up and just see if we can plug him in somewhere. It, they kind of knew what they were getting out of him. And if there's one thing we've also learned about the Dodgers, that when, when they hear about damaged goods to a certain degree, they pick them up and they and they correct what needs to be corrected that somebody else couldn't figure out. A la Jake McGee, a la Blake Trinan you know, even Chris Taylor, you know, another example. Uh, and, and here we are. And I mean, they're not crazy risky rewards or risky deals either if you really think about it. Cause I mean, they're paying them late minimum. So all in all though, I, I think, uh, I think they're moving in the right direction, but one thing that, uh, that is not lacking anything is the Dodgers pitching staff, the, the Dodgers pitching rotation, starting rotation, I should say, uh, they're the best in baseball. I mean they 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 should all be in the All-Star game. I don't give a damn what anybody says because I mean Trevor Bauer is 5 and 2 with a one point nine eight ERA, 88 strikeouts and a 0.77 whip and that's just Bauer. Kershaw is 6 and 3 with a 3.18 ERA, little bit of an elevated ERA, 65 strikeouts with a 0.95 whip. Walker Buehler is 3 and 0, oh, 2.78 ERA, 59 strikeouts with a 0.89 whip. And then Julio Diaz is seven and one three Oh five ERA with 70 strikeouts and 0.82 whip best rotation in baseball. That's not even close, but the insane thing is it's not Kershaw that's carrying the rotation. And we've seen that in years past where it had to be Clayton that had to step up and carry, you know, be the horse, right now. Clayton doesn't have to be that guy. And I mean, granted the uh, 3.8, 3.18 ERA is a little elevated from, from what we're accustomed to seeing from him. But even in that, it's still not even close how, how no other rotations even remotely close to how good the Dodgers are.
1: Well, all right. So how much longer before we say that Bauer is the ace of this team? I mean, his ERA is under two. And one of the things that I love about this and look, this is a guy that if he wasn't playing for the Dodgers, I'd probably be complaining about. So he's one of those guys that because he's on the Dodgers, you tolerate a lot of his antics. But I will say this, being able to see him every fifth day out there, one of the things that I really enjoy about watching him is this dude is fearless. He does not care. I mean, he was hiding from Roberts in the dugout because he didn't want to come out of the game on Friday. He pitched a league high, not for the Dodgers, but a league high 126 pitches on Friday. And that was in the seventh inning. The guy wanted to keep going. I don't think he wanted to. And and nowadays you don't see that mindset anymore. And I, I think it's got to do something to the team to see a guy out there to show that he's just not afraid and he's just going to go out there. And I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to flame out, I'm going to flame out. I'm going to go down sweet. And so I think I, I would love to see as the as the year progresses, what effect Bauer has on Bueller, because I feel, you know, Bueller is our best postseason pitcher. And if Bueller, I think he already has a little bit of that in him. If Bauer can get it out more out of him, I I mean, it's you're right. It's it's just right now, and we haven't even spent that much time on on Julio. Yeah, Julio's ERA is over three, but it just seems that lately, every time Julio goes out on the mound, he's dominating. And and I mean, we've gone this far in the show without you know mentioning the fact that the Dodgers swept the Giants. And I know that Babyface face uh, was not very impressed with the giants this weekend, but look, the giants, let's also just keep this in mind. Let's just bump the brakes. We didn't see Gossman this weekend. So we didn't see the giants best pitcher and Gossman has been very successful against the Dodgers. So if we see Gossman, it might've been only two out of three, but for right now, I will enjoy it because we swept the giants, but a, You know, this team was a team that was rolling. I mean, they had very good starting pitching, too. And the Dodgers unloaded on them this weekend. Aside from Friday's game, the Dodgers offense handled that pitching. Now, mind you, it was a bullpen game for the Giants on Saturday. And today, I mean, but Scalfini's been pitching pretty good for the Giants.
0: I was about to say Scalfini has been quietly doing the thing. Alex Wood has been quietly doing the thing. And then they obviously called up our uh, old uh, Dodger friend, Scott Casimir, for Saturday's game. And that didn't, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Don't wait. I'm getting my, di- see, we record this. It throws my day. Yeah, no, no, no,
1: no. He pitched, Casimir was part of that bullpen game. That's right. You're right. Because you're right. the Giants, the Giants literally just picked up his contract so he could pitch that game. Yes.
0: Uh,
2: and, Juan, real quick. Yeah. It, it could have been what we discussed too. Giants used up all their weekend runs on Thursday. So, they didn't have anything left for this series. You know, that's how it works, right? They, uh, and then, they that is true, Alonzo. Babyface called it. He did. After the Giants scored 19 runs on
1: Thursday, he said, There, that's a sweep right there. And there, for those it. of
0: you that are unaware, we have a group chat, and he said that in our group chat. We can screenshot it if there's evidence that needs to be presented to the uh, to council. But be that as it may, I will say this I know this is unconventional because this is a Dodgers podcast. I had. The San Diego, I'm sorry, the San Francisco, I uh, almost called him the San Diego Giants, Jesus.
1: I thought you were going to call him the San Diego Super Chickens.
0: <laughs> the San Francisco Giants, obviously, you know, the, I'm not a fan of Madison Bumgarner. You know, I don't like his bullshit that he pulls. Um, and thankfully, we won't ever have to have him on this podcast to talk about that. But, you know, historically, though, the Giants have always just been, they've always had baseball players on their roster you know Brandon Crawford Brandon Bill, uh Buster Posey you know they all quietly do their thing right and for the Dodgers to go in there and just shut them down listen th- th- there's another way to put it it's either you know the, the Dodgers just turned it around at the right time and I will take that I will take that because I mean the Giants I don't think this is the last we've heard of the the San Francisco Giants of course but uh but I mean it was also fun to see back to to Trevor Bauer to see him in a rivalry game, you know, go out and, and do what he did. You know, he he's the perfect heel. He is the perfect heel. Yeah. There's no other way to put it.
1: And he, he looked like Babyface out there on Friday, walking off the mat and walking into the dugout, right? Putting putting his hand to the ear, Hulk Hogan style. Yeah. You know, that that's something that you know those of you can't see, but Babyface pulls that shit on us every every time we do a show. Anytime he is talk. the ultimate heel.
0: Yes, he and uh, from from time five, to time. Five, Where? Where? I I, I am unaware of what you're calling lies. How dare you? But speaking of the perfect heel, we're going to see the baby face and the heel. Oh, that transition
1: deserves an applaud, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we call in the radio business, a transition.
0: I'll be here all week. Uh, We're going to see the baby face and the heel go against the Houston Astros this week, Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Bauer. We talked to Jorge a little bit about that. I, listen, I, if I, I like what Joe Kelly said earlier this week, we didn't obviously talk about this, but Joe Kelly straight up said, if someone throws a beer at me, I'm throwing it back. I would do one better. I would open the beer, drink it, and then throw it back, assuming it's in a can. Um, and, and it's one of those things where I, I honestly, obviously I'm excited for when the Astros come to town, right? Because that's going to be, that, that's going to be its own. There's no other way to put it. It's going to be a shit show this is the first time that the Dodgers have gotten to play in Houston with the full capacity situation. I, and it's one of those things, obviously we have no idea what to expect, but it's going to be an intense environment because of obviously what happened last year over under how many times do you think that they get into it during these two games? Cause remember for this, this set of games, it's only two.
1: Uh, I'm going to go over one. I, I think there will be a, a event, an incident, excuse me. I think there will be an incident at every game. Uh, What I'm very, uh, there's two things I'm looking forward to in that series, because I do agree with you. I'm looking forward more to the series at Dodger stadium, but what I'm want, I want to see first is how many Dodger fans travel to Houston uh, I think there will be a number of incidents in the stands um, because I do think Dodger fan is going to show up in Houston and I, there, there will be words exchanged. So I'm curious to see that. And then the other thing that I'm curious about is how the Dodgers bullpen is going to react in that series. Uh, Joe Kelly had that shaky start the first time he came back, but then he had two really solid outings, And then his last outing, he was a a little shaky. I want to see what Joe Kelly does when he's in that game. I want to see what Joe Kelly does when he faces Correa. You know, Because Joe Kelly, like you said, Joe Kelly doesn't seem like he's a guy who's backed down. And what Jorge Castillo had alluded to earlier, Trevor Bauer has been trolling the Astros. And Trevor Bauer is not a guy that is going to back down. So that Wednesday game, to me, is going to be must-see television. I I really want to see Bauer uh, against that Astros lineup. The other other reason why I'm curious about the bullpen, and I want to get your guys' opinion on this, I feel like Roberts has really uh, been relying on three guys, And, and I get it. These guys are probably our most reliable guys, but I'm curious as to how soon that's going to start catching up on the Dodgers. And that is the way he uses Victor Gonzalez, the way he uses Blake Trinan and the way Jansen has been using. Now, those are our best relievers. They all have an ERA under two, but it just seems that those guys come in regardless. I mean, Blake Trinan was warming up in the bullpen yesterday and that game was, no, actually today he was warming up in the bullpen. The And it was an 11-0. It was an 11-0 game. It's like, why why put Blake Trinan out there?
0: So I, I think it's a combination of two things. One is those are the arms that he trusts. And two, he doesn't necessarily trust the other arms that are there right now. And not to say that, like, you can't count on them. You know, there's just so much going on that it's like, if it ain't broke, they'll fix it. Listen, Kelly Jansen quietly is putting all of us to shame. All of us guys are like, you know, this dude isn't going to be a closer anymore. Myself included. He'd have sat there and did this, like he, he just did one of <laughs> yes, those. He did. And, and he's quietly gone 11 saves with a 1.31 ERA over 19 games. Listen, all you can do is tip your cap to that, because then the last stat that you throw out is his whip is at zero point nine seven with twenty four strikeouts. Listen, that that dude is is he's turning it around. All kudos in the world to him for getting it going. Because if you have a guy like that that you can use at the tail end of your of your bullpen, you just need a couple arms to get you, especially if your starters are going to go five, six, and seven innings every night. Where obviously today, I mean, Julio did what he did, and it's like. Obviously, you know, you were talking about Blake. I was a little perplexed by that, but maybe he was trying to give someone some rest. I don't know. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where, where the, you know, they're firing on all cylinders and going into that Houston series. That's kind of what they need, especially from the bullpen. Uh, I uh, going back to the to the original question about what what I'm looking forward to. I am fully expecting Trevor Bauer to troll the hell out of the Astros. <laughs> And that that like you said, that game is going to be must see TV. Because listen, Jorge said it too. Both Clayton and Trevor have history with the Astros, and for totally different reasons, right?
1: Right. But Kershaw's going to play it cool, while yeah. I don't think Bauer will.
0: I, I, I'm not afraid to. I, 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 I'm not afraid to say this. Even I'm sure the umpires are going to warn Bauer, and the you know both sides. Hey, don't do anything funny. I would not be surprised if Bauer hits anyone. And you know what? Obviously, the bigger scope of this, it's a hundred percent MLB's fault that that's why this shit's happening. If MLB handles this the way they should have before, then we're fine. I, I go back to to if you've seen it on YouTube, it's when the Mets try to throw a chase Utley when Thor throws a chase Utley, and they have the uh, the mic on the umpire. And I, and I forgive yeah. me, I can't remember who the umpires, but uh, he, you know, him and and, and Terry uh, Terry, the former manager of the Mets uh get into Collins. it Collins. Terry, Terry Collins, Collins. thank you uh get into it and they they go back and forth and they use some baseball lingo that no one really hears unless you're in in the clubhouse right that's the perfect example of how MLB dropped this because MLB although I may not agree 100% that Chase's slide was maybe not dirty it it, it was a little excessive but it is what it is right we we we're here now MLB didn't do anything about it and it forced the Mets' hand to deal with it that's 100% clubhouse politics so in this case Granted, last year happened in the way that it did. It went down, but they still haven't had anything come of it, right? So you, you can't expect the, the game to not police itself and not have guys step up and do what they need to do. And I fully expect Trevor Bauer to be that guy because he doesn't like the Astros for a whole litany of other reasons. So I would not be surprised if Bauer is the guy that incites something. A couple of times and because they're going to get pissed about a sword thing if he goes out there and does that they're yeah. going to get pissed about his McGregor walk and he's obviously going to be the heel you know taking it all in and what it does is it sets it up perfectly for Kershaw to go out and do what he does and I think he the best way that Kershaw can go out and stick it to them and give him the big middle finger he's just going to go do Kershaw things and that's kind of how I expect that series to go with the Dodgers taking both of them
1: Babyface, come on. I I want to hear from you. I
0: want I want to hear the real Babyface though. Not not the reserved, you know, Babyface gimmick. I want to hear Roger who I know does not
2: like the Astros.
1: Give give me your real uh, Trevor Bauer.
2: Yeah, I mean I think if anything's going to happen it's going to be it'd be more game 2 unless game 1 we see Joe Kelly. If we see Joe Kelly in game 1, then there might be some fireworks. I mean game 2 like you said it's going to be like I mean, Bauer, anything he does out there, if he throws it high and tight to Correa, Correa is going to get all pissed and start crying that the ball almost hit him, even when it's like, you know, a foot away or whatever. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think Tuesday, I mean, Wednesday is a game that's really going to be like, like you said, must-see TV. You know, it's for different reasons, Different these different pitchers, you know, they don't like the Astros. It's, it's, uh, um, you know, all the fans are going to be, Dodger fans are going to be chanting, you know, F the asterisk, you know, which we do have a hat at bleedless.com that you can check out, you know, that's uh, when when they come to town, I think it's a hat everybody should be wearing. But
1: that's just and me. not not only that, wearing that hat with the Joe Kelly Fight Club shirt that's also available on bleed on bleedless. I mean, I it just hit me right now, baby face. Next week really is rivalry week. It is because not only are we playing the giants, you know, in a four game series at Dodger stadium next week, but we got these two games against and quote to a fellow bleed, los taquero, Todd lights, the Astros. We've got two games against the Astros and then the giants. Are those not the Dodgers two biggest hated rivals at this time?
0: Uh, Yes. And, and well done on the, uh, the Todd lights plug, by the way. Um, who, by the way, if you didn't catch it, records our intro now. So huge thanks and uh, and big ups to Todd for doing that. I I, I will say though, uh, I wish that we could find someone that's going to go to those games and just put a GoPro on them, just to see what happens, because it's either going to be really, it's either going to be really bad or it's going to be really just a good at like a good competitive atmosphere. I'm leaning it towards the former and not the latter that it's just going to get out of hand. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's 100% MLB's fault. I don't give a shit what anybody says. MLB, not only do they mishandle it from the, the field perspective, but also they, they should know that this is kind of inevitable because they created this environment.
1: If, if I'm telling you, if Dodger fan travels, it's going to be ugly in the
2: stands. I I, I think it will
1: get ugly there.
2: Oh, I absolutely. Mean, if, if, if they would have stripped them, I mean, it's a different... It's a different, it's, it's a different atmosphere. hundred
0: percent, hundred percent. It's, it's not even what the the Joe Kelly thing doesn't happen at all. I don't think. And then now with what's incoming, I mean, I'm sure MLB is already telling these guys, you know, Hey, keep it, you know, keep it G don't, uh, don't be going out there starting shit. But it's like, no, like you guys didn't do anything. Why should we care now?
1: You know, we should follow up with Jorge to see if there is a warning to both teams before Tuesday's game.
0: I, I can almost guarantee you that that warning was already been, been done. It's already been issued. I, I, I bet you they, the Lee offices sent letters doing all that, that chicken shit stuff that they do instead of just dealing with the, how they should have. And I, I for the life of me, even if I wasn't a Dodger fan, I, I I would still find it disgusting how they handled that, that entire thing. Cause for the, I mean, I, I am still pissed and I get heated when I think of the immunity that they gave those guys when you see guys get in trouble for much less, you know what I mean? So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, dude, this is, it's garbage. It's just garbage. And I'm, and I don't blame the players for trying to police it themselves because that's what MLB forced their hand to do.
1: And then I know we're wrapping things up now. So just real quick as the out, I just want to ask you guys, what do you guys think about the Astros, you know, basically going to major league baseball saying that they need to step in to step all these fans from abusing them. Does that add more fuel to the fire? Does that give you more reasons to hate the Astros?
0: It would give me more things to talk shit on them about. (laughs) Like if I was on the field, uh, I, I think it's garbage personally. Uh, Like I said, you know, I've said what I've said. They cheated. There's no other way to put it. They did what they did. There's as Adrian Gonzalez told us, and it's known if anyone works in the game or has worked in the game that has sources, there's a lot more that they did that has not come out to light. So for them to sit there and do the whole, you know, holier than thou thing, and then just expect to get a pass, uh you know, from criticism, I guess, is the best way to put it. That's chicken shit. That, I mean, there, there's, there, there's, that is a term that's used in baseball that's like used as a magic word. It's chicken shit. And, and to me, what the Astros have done and, and even how, and I respect the hell out of Dusty Baker, I do, but for him to, to essentially, you know, cry foul about that sort of stuff too. It's like, come on, man. Like, you know what you're getting yourself into. And, and if, and that's the thing that surprises me about him taking that gig too, he knows what happened. So for him to sit here and, and try to take the, the, the higher ground, if you will, the higher road, like, bro, like, you know what happened, you know what they did and it's, it's bullshit. It's just bullshit all around. And again, I go back to the example with Terry Collins and the Mets when they threw at the Dodgers that, you know, the umpire, as the umpire said, you got our asses in the jackpot. That just essentially means, yo, I can't do anything. MLB did what they did. They said what they said. My opinion is different. There is nothing that I can do. All I have to do is make sure that you guys don't actually rip your heads off and that I don't get caught up in the problem. And that's the situation that MLB has put everyone in, not just the umpires, not just these two teams anyone that wants to retaliate against the Astros and for them to sit there and say that anyone's saying these mean things about them because they cheated.
1: That's bullshit. All right. Last word goes to you, baby
2: face. Close out the show. I mean, Josh Reddick, you know, he got a little bit, a little bit of it, you know, this past week, you know, 15,000 fans in, this, in the stadium. He heard it. I mean, now imagine in August when the Astros come, there's going to be 50,000 and I think Dodgers might even let more probably get like 60,000 in there. I think just just, <laughs> just to boo them, you know? So no, you're right because they're those standing room areas right out in yeah. the center field. Plaza. Yeah. I think they're going to do whatever they can to get extra, extra people in there, I think for those games. So, I mean, it's coming. I mean, if the Astros think uh, they've had it bad so far, it's, it's coming and you know, it's coming quick.
0: And that's the thing too. We, 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 don't, we haven't even harped on it yet. This isn't Houston where this is probably the most friendly environment that the Astros are going to be around until they go to L.A. You know, we saw obviously what happened in Anaheim and kudos to those Anaheim fans, too. You know, it's been reported some of them are Dodger fans, but still they gave them the business. And they they should expect that just about everywhere they go, because what they did, not only is it egregious, but it just it the in in the face of the game. But I agree with Roger. I think they're going to call the fire marshal and be like, hey, can you not come to the game for the next week? Because we don't want to get shut down for being oversold.
1: Let me tell you, when the Astros come to L.A., if I was the Dodgers, the clip that I would play on the big screen before the game started is the clip with Kurt Russell from the major motion picture Tombstone telling the Astros, you tell them I'm coming and I'm bringing hell with me. That's the clip I'm playing because those two games at, at the ravine are going to be lit and those tickets are going to be very, very expensive.
0: But you know what, no matter how we look at it and, and kudos to you for quoting my favorite movie. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I just, I just don't, in my, for the life of me, I just don't think how the Astros didn't think that their request of that was going to backfire in some way. Does that make sense? Absolutely absolutely yeah so but be that as it may i'm not i'll I'll get off my soapbox i'm still pissed about that i do i hate cheaters so bad uh but on that note big thanks to our friend uh of the carnazada jorge castillo for joining us as he walked down the mean streets of san francisco uh the audio wasn't great but you have to remember my man was walking down the street and uh and huge thanks again for him to join us please go follow him on the socials if you haven't likewise please follow our socials at lead los Uh, on the Twitter machine at Dodgers beat huge. Thanks uh, to everyone for joining us for subscribing and uh, we will see you next week.